We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Setting the pace. He is no stranger. It's Michael Scott up from Hoopside. Michael, thanks so much for joining me. How you doing? My pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me. It's always a lot of fun talking hoops with you and uh, just shooting it in general, my man. Fire away. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, I mean, obviously, it's been a dead period for the most part of the month of August, but we did get some news this past week. Donovan Mitchell traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a pretty nice package the Utah Jazz got back. Um, this obviously has some good implications here for the Pacers because they do own that Cavaliers first round pick this year, lottery protected. So I, I guess on terms of like the actual trade, though, how do you think that impacts both teams and not just, you know, how it benefits the Pacers? Sure. I mean, first and foremost, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, it gives them an opportunity to have four core players that are uh, all star caliber guys at that uh, you know, Evan Mobley's a future all-star, in my opinion, certainly. Um, Jared Allen's been an all-star, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell as well. So you've got four guys that are under 25, and you have them all signed at, at the minimum uh, for the next three years, guaranteed. Uh, that's a nice window to compete with a young core and, and see what you have there. Um, you know, from Cleveland's perspective, they don't always land guys in, in free agency, certainly that are stars. So you have to build through the draft and trades. And this was an opportunity where they were able to get a young, disgruntled star in a sense uh, with what was going on in Indiana. You saw around Donovan Mitchell, they were kind of tearing it down as opposed to building around um, around him once they got all those draft picks from Rudy Gobert. Sure, they could have flipped them for another player, but they never were of that mindset and now it's pretty much looking like a fire sale for utah's perspective uh you know looking ahead but 
as far as Cleveland, it puts them in position to try to uh, get better, certainly, than last year. You know, when uh, they were competing in the play-in, now they go, and they look like a team that I think is going to try to compete for a top four seed. I don't know if they're that good yet, but do I think they're a top six team in the East? Yes, I do, um, as presently constructed. And um, – I like it. It's 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 a swing for the fences move. And, you know, these picks that you're trading, you know, whether unprotected or swaps, given the development of Jared Allen, given the development of Garland and Mobley and a proven star in Donovan Mitchell, you're not expecting this to be a lottery team going forward. So I don't think those picks hurt as much. And, you know, with that in mind, it, it, to me, it's like Colin Sexton for them – uh, was not a fit any longer. Colin Sexton and Garland did not fit in the backcourt. It was clear that Darius Garland took over as the main guy. Um, and, and Colin Sexton was never going to get that money that he got from Utah with Cleveland because they didn't want to go over the luxury tax. And yeah. around that $13.5 million average annual salary um, that they were kind of putting out there for him over a multi-year deal, and, you know, Lowry Markinen, nice player, but obviously you move him in a deal to get Donovan Mitchell. And, uh, you know, the rookie that they took out of Kansas, nice shooter. But, again, that's not a, uh, something that's going to slow up a deal for a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Right. It's the perfect type of guy for Cleveland to get, a, a young star under contract for three years. You give up the picks. They, they've – been incrementally trying to get better and they've done that it's go time now um when you look at it on the opposite end for the utah jazz you know um call engine 240 because the fire sale's coming uh <laughs> that's the way i see it right now um you know there's been a lot of talks and i'm sure we'll get into it uh but you know boyan bogdanovich uh i had touched on him previously being mentioned as a piece in potential three team talks with the Lakers and the Knicks when they were trying to get Donovan Mitchell. Now it seems that that talk has shifted more to just with the Lakers in Utah. Um, I touched on it on a podcast with Jovan Buhav, the athletic who covers the Lakers. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it as well, but for, for the jazz, this is, you know, the entering of a rebuild. And at this point, all the veteran guys like Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson uh, have a for sale sign on them. And I, I think even guys, you know, like a Malik Beasley as well, you, you go down a whole roster. Yeah. Um, it, it's the start of more to come for them for sure and a lot more activity as they try to rebuild, get more picks, and uh, ironically, potentially replace the Frenchman Rudy Gobert with another Frenchman, Victor Wembanaya, who could be the number one uh, pick in the draft if they really go all in on this fire sale and they move quickly before the season. Yeah, no, I'm sure they're just banking or hoping that the lottery balls fall their way. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing. And I, I will say this, you know, you talk about Cleveland making a move and being a, a small market team or a mid-market team. They've had a pretty good run the last 20 years. I mean, you think about it, drafting LeBron James, winning championships with him, getting him back. You know, Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, all the first-round picks that they've had. I mean, Darius Garland, a high pick. Mobley, a good pick. I mean, they've had – I mean, you're talking about a, a team that – a franchise that's really had some lucky breaks over the past 20 years. So, kudos to them for going out there and getting Mitchell and adding on to that, you know, Cavaliers legacy in terms of 
you know, proving people wrong and proving that mid-market teams can still be relevant in today's NBA. But the Jazz, obviously, are joining now the Pacers more than likely in that race for Victor Wimbanyama, the most coveted prospect in the last, like, five years probably. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I still think this draft is super deep, though, Michael. And uh, even if you don't get the first pick overall, there's still a lot of really good talent in this upcoming draft. And so I'm kind of curious, though, you brought it up. Bojan Bogdanovic, Mike Conley, those type of players – we know that the Jazz are more than likely going to be moving them as soon as possible to get more assets back just to do what Danny Ainge does. But the Pacers here on the other side have been linked to Russell Westbrook quite a bit this offseason. And it's one of those things where, like, it's difficult for me to understand, you know, what's all involved. What are they really willing to give up? Do the Pacers really want to do this? Um, do they really want to give Miles Turner the opportunity to prove himself? Or do they really want to just get rid of him? So, what have you heard on the Pacers front in terms of their willingness to kind of make a deal with the Lakers like this? Sure, Alex. I mean, first and foremost, when it comes to the Pacers and pretty much almost any other team in the NBA, if you're going to trade for Russell Westbrook, respectfully, you're trading for the contract uh, at that point. And it's worth on the NBA trade market to other executives, at least two first round picks, the 2027, 20, 29 picks from the Lakers. Um, and any executive is trying to get them as unprotected as possible um, because it provides a lot of upside down the line when theoretically LeBron James could be gone, Anthony Davis as well, um, depending on what happens in the years to come. Um, so that's kind of the selling point there for the Pacers. Um, I touched on this a little bit in the podcast on Hoops Hype uh, with Jovan Buha, but the Indiana Pacers, before Talon Horton Tucker was moved in the trade with the Jazz for Patrick Beverly, Indiana had looked at trying to get Talon Horton Tucker in that big trade for Russell Westbrook as well and offloading the contract of Daniel Tice, who has multiple seasons left. And Daniel Tice is a guy that fits better on a playoff caliber team. You saw when he signed with Houston, it wasn't really a good fit. They're in a rebuild. Um you know, he's more a guy that can affect winning. He makes winning plays. He did that with the Celtics when he went there. Um, and then after that, obviously, you know, when you can get Brogdon for them, they felt it was worthwhile. Um, you guys know that all too well. So uh, to me, it was like trying to expand that talk further between just uh, those teams. And obviously for the Lakers, two unprotected picks and Taylor Horton Tucker uh, was a lot. And they, they did not want to do that. Um, I respect the Pacers for doing it. You might as well shoot your shot um, and try to maximize that cap space and taking in Westbrook as best you can while trying to offload uh, Tice's contract. I do expect Indiana to continue to look at uh, deals where they could potentially move off of Daniel Tice. Um, I know at least one other team has told me that uh, Indiana had spoken to them about Tice. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. Specifically, as far as Russell Westbrook goes, um, I think, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people right now would say, well, it looks like either Indiana or Utah. And I think Utah, you've certainly heard a lot more buzz about both publicly in the media and, you know, in talking with people. Boyan Bogdanovich has come up more so. And personally, Alex, this is me speaking of my own opinion. I would try, if I'm trying to just be better for this season and really go for whatever I can get with uh, LeBron and, and, and AD, I'm trying to do the Miles Turner and the Buddy Heel package. Yeah. I know that would eat into some cap space looking ahead because, uh, you know, with Heald, 
but ultimately you can still try to maneuver and figure that out. Miles Turner will be a free agent, but then you can just re-sign him after using cap space. Um, I think it would make them a better team, but I haven't heard as much on, on those talks lately as I have with Utah. Utah is in more of a deal-making mode uh, to get off those veterans. Um, you know, I don't – hearing Mike Conley's name is interesting because, again, if you're going to take – a more salary looking ahead, I would think you might rather try to get Buddy Heald than Conley's contract, but yeah. beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Um, and I think Miles Turner would help them more than Bogdanovich. I know the Lakers need shooting. Uh, I'm not disputing that, but you would get the shooting in Buddy Heald and you would get a center that could shoot and block shots in Miles Turner. Um, you know, so I think that's interesting. And I know you, you mentioned this earlier about Miles. Um, you know, whether Indiana wants to try to see what they could do with him uh, now and give it a test run or try to move him. So anytime uh, what I've heard around Miles is he does, he, he would like to stay and try to give it a shot with Tyrese Halliburton, um, who's a pass per point guard and a floor spacer that he's never really had the opportunity to play with. It would be the best point guard he would play with. He would have an expanded role with DeMontis Sabonis gone. Um, I, that appeals to him specifically also looking at a contract season for him, um, it would give him an opportunity to put up better numbers. I think he would be fine with the Lakers too if he ended up moving there in a trade, but this is a guy that's going to want more than what he's currently making, around $18 million. So you're talking 20 million for Miles Turner. I had touched on this uh, in the podcast on Hoops Hype as well, and I think for any team trading for Miles Turner, you've got to factor that in and keep it in mind. And if you're Indiana as well, looking ahead, if you want to retain him or not. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up some great points there. And one of the ones, you know, I, I just feel like the Jazz, while they have interesting pieces like Bojan Bogdanovic, Mike Conley, and of course, Jordan Clarkson. If you're looking at the way the Lakers have their roster built right now, they're missing a starting shooting guard and a starting center. And that's why the deal with Indiana to me makes the most sense for Russell Westbrook, just because it would kind of complete that starting five. And with Buddy being on expiring the next year, I feel like he'd be kind of easy to move off of if they needed to trade him. I mean, he's still a good scorer. Um, now, would teams be willing to help the Lakers? Probably not, but you just never know uh, what team that has cap space that might be trying to like tank or something like that would be willing to do that if there's another asset involved. So it's an interesting place to be, though, for the Pacers because – they're they're trying to figure out, I think, what's best for them moving forward. And I don't know. Have you heard that they really want to be competitive this year, or is it more so they're trying to lose? Because I've heard mixed reporting on that. As far as Indiana? Yeah. First of all, let me say this. You know, another team I don't think gets talked about enough with Russell Westbrook, like if I'm the Spurs and I can get two yeah. unprotected first, I would look at considering doing it. Because any of these teams that take them, whether it's Indiana, Utah, the Spurs, Russell Westbrook's not staying there. It'll yeah. be a buyout most likely. And then as far as Indiana and their, you know, competitive level for this year, I just think I, I'm a believer in more actions than words. I know they said they weren't doing a rebuild, quote unquote. But if you move Miles Turner and you move Buddy Heald, <laughs> how are you gonna win games? Yeah. Because you're not keeping Westbrook and you're getting future assets that don't help the team now. Yeah. That signals more of a rebuild. Yeah. They're going to try to win, sure. Doesn't mean you're going to be able to with the roster. So, again, I'm more about the actions. The actions currently say to me 
They'll see, you know, it, it depends. If you trade, again, if you trade Miles and Buddy, to me, you're going full rebuild. I don't care what's said publicly. Um, yeah. it, it's pretty, the proof is in the pudding, Alex. <laughs> no, I and I agree with that. There's been some pushback from us when we've talked about that. Uh, I think their over-under is like 24 and a half games or something like that. Okay. Um, and so I, we, we bet the under, basically. We think they're going to try to lose as many as possible just because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The Pacers never really do this, and so... Some people think they'll probably get between 25 and 30, which could make more sense. But it's it's just going to be tough, I think, because I feel like both conferences, you know, top 20, 22 teams are really good. So there's going to be a lot of games where they're going to have a hard time just being able to stay with them. And I think more so on the defensive side of things, just because they've got a lot of work to do, in my opinion, in this Pacers team. You know, Alex, I'll say this. Detroit should be better. Orlando should be better, I think. Yeah. Indiana... If you trade Miles and Heald, you're not going to be better. No. It's going to be worse. And I think they have a shot to go the opposite direction. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I honestly feel like Orlando's probably – I had Orlando 14th in the East based off of what I was, you know, guessing why, standing wise. I had the Pacers at 15th, obviously. And then I had Charlotte at 13th. I just think Charlotte's going to take a step back this year. Um, don't no, love my, their roster makeup. Miles Bridges is an interesting – yeah, variable there that needs to be figured out because if he's not going to be able to play, obviously a significant blow. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm assuming he's not going to be in there, or if he is, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be weird anyway. But you know, I think Detroit does take a step forward. I think I had them at 12, but regardless, I'm just throwing out my stuff there. But I, I'm curious though. Um, you talked about Daniel Tice because this is a name that we've not really heard at all with the Pacers like since the trade happened. Like barely even heard much about Daniel Tice coming over. Um, obviously he, uh, he's playing in the world cup right now or, or Eurobasket. So I'm just curious your thoughts on, uh, do you think Daniel Tice starts the season off with the Pacers or do you think he's probably moved before the season starts? I would say, I, I would say they would try to move him before the deadline when he before gets, yeah, I would think so. Um, because I don't think right now you don't need him. You don't need his salary if you're the Lakers to do the Westbrook trade. Yeah. So I think if there was a deal where salary was needed, maybe. But in that sense, no. I think they would try to move him maybe close to the trade deadline. And I say that because he's a guy that can help a playoff team. Like, yeah. could he be a veteran mentor? Sure. But I think he's still young enough where he can have an impact. He's not an old guy. So – I think it's in everybody's interest to flip him uh, eventually. And, we, and again, we saw with Houston uh, how they were able to, to flip him after signing him anyway. So uh, his salary is right in the middle. It's not too high, too low. It's a movable contract for sure. Mm. Yeah, right around $8 million. I think that that's something that could be enticing to the Lakers to throw in there to make a bigger trade. But, you know, um, you never know. I'm, I'm also curious, you know, I'm going to ask that same question. But this time in regards to Russell Westbrook with the Lakers, do you think he's on their team by the start of the season? Um, <laughs> we got a couple. Well, we got a couple more weeks. We got about three weeks till media day. Then you got training camp, and then you've got the season starting in the middle of the month. So it's talking about like, like six weeks or so. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, I'll i say this. I just think it comes down to 
Whether Russell Westbrook gets moved or not depends on the Lakers' desire to unprotect those picks. They haven't shown a willingness to do that. I don't necessarily think they're going to try to bend the knee on that one yet. Um, So, uh, I honestly, I I don't, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer. I would kind of like it. I would kind of like it to be over with personally. Mm -hmm. I like, I I like, I think the both sides need to trade. I, I just, I, I find, and you know, the stuff about Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly talking and yeah, everybody's kumbaya. I just think it's a, it's a volcano waiting to erupt personally. I don't, I don't see it. It didn't work with LeBron and AD last year. Russell Westbrook put up his best individual stats when LeBron was hurt. So you're obviously not trying to have LeBron miss time. I, I think it just depends on the Lakers' appetite. If they're willing to, like, move those two picks unprotected, I think Russell Westbrook's gone. But I, I haven't heard that they're willing to do that at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and Kyrie is not an option yet. Maybe they hold out and wait for him, potentially, if things go, you know, combust in Brooklyn after the first 25 games. It's just hard for me to say. Um, but – I just don't think it's a fit either way. They've obviously been trying to move him. There's enough smoke out there for a reason. Yeah, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up here to you too because you talk about, uh, you know, Utah could be a team that trades for him, and they just made a trade uh, with the Lakers for Pat Beverly. Have we ever seen a team make two separate trades like this that could be this massive where you're sending multiple players to a different team in like two different trades uh, within like the same month. I mean, it's just a, a very bizarre thing to see. Yeah, that that would be certainly uh, a little bit different. I, and I agree with you. If, if it was going to be, why wouldn't you just put it all together? But yeah. you got to remember Danny Ainge, I, I said this on the podcast, Danny Ainge is going to want to squeeze the Lakers like a, like a freshly squeezed glass of orange juice and, and squeeze out all the pulp. Yeah. You know, from his Boston days with the Lakers – and I know business is business. Was there a level of pettiness? Sure. Yeah. It's it's dealing with the Danny Ainge. It's just it's like dealing with the devil, man. We've always I've always felt that way. He's just a guy that's always trying to get the better end of the deal and S, you know. S the Brooklyn Nuts. Yeah, exactly. So uh but I, I am the other question I was gonna ask you is with Russell Westbrook, obviously feels like the writing's on the wall that he's going to be dealt at some point by the uh by the trade deadline at the latest. Is there any team out there that makes sense for him if he's bought out? Because I just don't see it right now. Well, get back to me in a few months when I see the landscape of the league and who's desperate. Yeah. Because, and I say desperate because if you're a team that has an injury or something, and, and you know, that's why I like the Lakers got Westbrook in the first place. They wanted a third star. He was the best they could get. Yeah. And they swung for the fences and they consolidated a bunch of contracts and Kuzma, KCP, etc. Um, I think if they could do that deal over again, they probably wouldn't have done it. But, you know, they made it for a reason. So I, I, I can't say yet. I mean, right now, when I look around the league, that's kind of been the other issue. Like if Westbrook's getting traded and he's bought out, where's he going to go? Yeah. Um, you're not going to take him on a rebuilding team. Are you going to take him on a fringe playoff team? Yeah. How much is that? How much does that move the needle? Um, you know, even on a championship caliber team, when has that style of play added to a 
been conducive to championship winning. Yeah. It hasn't been to this point. Yeah, it's tough. And you have to wonder if he would be willing to take a lesser role as like a backup guard or something like that. He, his scenario reminds me a little bit of like when Allen Iverson was yeah. starting to decline. Um, and, you know, he went from the Sixers to the Nuggets was fine, but then from the Nuggets to the Pistons. And then after that to Memphis, I mean, that was, I can't believe Allen Iverson ever wore a Memphis Grizzlies uniform looking back on it. But, um, you know what I mean? Like I look at Russ and it's just, it is what it is. Like, it's almost even like Marbury at the end. Like some guards, like they hit their early thirties and poof, that's it. Yeah. I think it's just his unwillingness to change his game a little bit too has caused him to lose some of his value. Uh, you know, I think Kevin O'Connor did a good job bringing that, pointing that out where he was used as a screener and it was a totally different game for him, but he just doesn't like playing that style. So, I mean, I understand that, like, you want to play the way you feel like it's best for you to play, but I think sometimes con- constructive criticism is something that we should all be looking at and trying to adapt. If we want to maintain our spot in the league, I mean, look at different guys that have done that, take a lesser role. And they were able to make their careers like five or six years longer than probably they would have been if they would have retired after their prime. So, you know, I look at teams across the league and I'm thinking to myself, well, the only team that potentially could make sense because they like stars is Chicago with Lonzo Ball's injury. Do they want another point guard in there potentially to try to help? It's like, yeah, that's it's interesting. Uh, the Raptors don't have a ton of guards on their roster. Uh, Nick Nurse is, uh, you know, a basketball whisperer, so to say. I wonder if he would, you know, want to be up for that challenge, but I don't think he fits their style. So it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm looking across the league. It's like everybody has a guard almost. So that's where it's really interesting. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess other than that, like, you know, we talked about the the Hornets a little bit and them kind of maybe taking a step back, but they brought in Steve Clifford again, which is a very different thing. Wasn't expecting him to be the hire. And now with Miles Bridges and all this stuff happening, if he doesn't play, uh, I think there was a rumor out there recently that says like Lamelo Ball is not happy with um, the current roster makeup. I mean, I feel <laughs> like he's probably one of the next players to be disgruntled. Well, time will tell on that. But that's been. But from the second they got Lamelo Ball, it was like, oh, big market. You know that that's where he'd want to be eventually. You know, big baller brand. It's not mid market brand. It's big yeah. baller brand. Yeah. So. Sure. But I don't know. It's also like, well, you're at all talk about Donovan Mitchell with the Nets, the Knicks, the New York market, you know, burp, 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 burp. guess what? It goes to Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. It's out of your control. You're under contract. Don't work like that. Ask, ask Kevin Durant how that went with the Nets. <laughs> well, what, what, what do the Knicks do now without getting Donovan Mitchell? You think they're, they have a chance to be in the playoffs this year with the current roster? Or are they more? You know about- what's interesting? I, you know, I saw them linked with Shea Gilders Alexander, and I'm like, right. So you think that they couldn't get a deal with Danny Ainge who wanted a draft picks? You don't think Sam Presti's going to want all the exactly. picks? Are you kidding me? And, and he just ironically gave uh, – he did a deal with the Knicks yeah. on draft night, and it's like – I, I just I didn't get that about oh they're waiting for the next disgruntled star. It's like well, uh, okay, cool. That, yeah. that doesn't that's not changing anything. No. Um, if you're the Knicks now, play the young guys, play top and play Grimes. You know, um, I think they got to figure out really what they're doing with Julius Randle yeah. because 
his value went down after his all-star season, kind of came back to earth. And I think now him having that long-term contract, you know, the Jazz weren't trying to take on that money. You got four in the A2 for multiple years coming up. They got to figure out what they're doing there. Um, Lakers wouldn't be involved, uh, interested in that, would they? Julius Randle? Yeah. Not from what I've heard. Okay. Uh, Evan Fournier? I mean, technically he's a shooter, but I would think they'd rather keep the cap space and the flexibility. And, I mean, obviously, again, there will be – I'm sure there will be, like, whispers about, oh, will Kyrie go to the Lakers next year if things go bad in Brooklyn? You know, there, there will always be whispers from people for yeah. sure. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the, the last thing I really thought of here was, you know, could the Pacers, Lakers, and Jazz do a three-team deal where potentially the Lakers land both expiring contracts and Miles Turner and Bojan Bogdanovich? Maybe Buddy Heald goes to the Jazz and both teams get a pick and then the Pacers take on Westbrook, something like that. Um, just a potential idea out there. Now, they could do their own separate deals where it's just like this for that, whatever, but um, that might give the Lakers more flexibility in the offseason and maybe go out and pursue Kyrie if he's disgruntled. But I didn't know if you thought that could make any sense. I just think if the Lakers are trying to get Turner and Heels, yeah, there's different variations, some with one player, one without the other. But to me, it's like, why would you not just try to get both? And I know the Pacers are going to value those guys a certain way, but they, they need both guys. I think if you're Utah, you'd, Utah and Indiana both are going to want Westbrook because it would imply that you're getting the two picks. Yeah. It's really what you're looking for there. So if one of those teams isn't getting Westbrook and the picks, I'm not sure how likely they would be to try to help the other facilitate the deal. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I was thinking more so one gets the 27 pick, one gets the 29. Uh, Bojan goes to the Lakers. Turner goes to the Lakers. That depends then on the team who gets Westbrook's appetite because you got to then get more – you got to get the, an equal valuation of either a player or something that's going to amount to a first-round pick then. Because you're yeah. not just taking Westbrook's contract for an unprotected first, just one. Yeah. Nobody is. Makes sense. I was just curious because it's just like trying to make this all work out where you still feel like you're getting some kind of thing back. But for me personally, I feel like doing the Lakers deal, unless you get both picks, obviously, it, it doesn't make sense on the Pacers' term. I feel like you can trade Turner by the deadline and get potentially more value out of him once yeah. he shows what he can do by himself as a solo center with Tyrese Halliburton. That, and I think th this whole thing just reminds me of the Pepe Siva gif when he's like looking in the background and like pointing like, this is what we're going to do. Da, da, da. It just, it just sticks out to me like that. Yeah. Um, you know, Miles, I don't know. I just like, if you're in Indiana, I mean, I still think he's young enough that you can keep him for a few years and see, but it's going to cost money. You know, what's interesting, Alex, is they wanted to shell out the money for uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's right. younger. But it's like, okay, so Ayton was okay to pay a center. Now, if you're Miles, you got to be looking at that like, hmm, what about me? Yeah, well, I know. That's how I felt. I, I feel like the Ayton thing is potentially more play style, though. Because Aiden's more of a pick and roll type of player, where Miles is more of a pick and pop, and I think they're really outside of Isaiah Jackson is not a pick and roller on this team for Indiana, and Isaiah Jackson is nowhere close to where DeAndre Aiden is right now. So that's to me where I felt it, especially with them bringing back Jalen Smith. 
you kind of have two guys that are more so known for being pick and roll, uh, pick and poppers and pick and rollers. And that's one of the things I want to see. Cause like uh, one thing I brought up on the podcast is just like miles Turner's numbers. If you look at him, he's taken fewer and fewer attempts at the rim each and every season. And it's kind of like, okay, is he going to be willing to adapt and be more of a roller this upcoming season? So he can get more inside touches. If not, I just don't know how those percentages and numbers are going to go up for him. You would think maybe with Tyrese get more lobs on pick and rolls theoretically, but I see your point. Um, yeah. Time would tell. A lob but threat, he, though? he should be. He's athletic enough. He's never been one of those guys that's really been an alley oop guy, in my opinion. Um, also, you, he's been asked to play different roles. I just think sure. when you look at him, like should be. Yeah, time will tell on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. Other than that, I don't really have any other questions for you, Michael. I know we're kind of in the dead period now of the NBA. Is there anything else that you uh, feel like we missed or that all you uh, can think of right now? I think, I think you know, as long as everybody's – you know, hopefully there's no more action on a, a holiday weekend, I would say that. Um, I think we, we pretty much touched on it. It's really – if you're the Pacers, it's really is Miles Turner and Buddy Heel going to the Lakers or not yeah. right now. And um, if not – how long do both stay? Because that's going to affect that 24 and a half uh, win line that you uh, you mentioned. <laughs> um, I would think by the end of the season, they might be just under that, like 22, 23. Yeah, I think I had, I think I was 22 and 60, and my co-host Fachi was 21 and 61. And people were coming at us thinking we were being a little bit, uh, you know, too harsh. Some people have them in like the 30 win range. And I just don't, I don't see that. Um, I don't at all. either. No. Uh, no, especially since they're trying to develop this year. That's kind of the thing. They got a bunch of guys that want to develop and they've been openly saying that for the past couple of months. Exactly. But um, no, nah, I mean, uh, you know, I know we touched on Donovan Mitchell. I'll, I'll have a podcast coming up with Chris Fedor of cleveland.com. We'll definitely yeah. do a dive on Donovan Mitchell and the trade talks there. Um, and kind of what's ahead for Cleveland. You know, you got to look at Kevin Love and Kavis LeVert, who are going to be free agents, and uh, and what's next for them, where they fit in the East. And, uh, you know, before you know it, it'll be media day. Looking forward to the Brooklyn Nets with Durant, Kyrie, Nash. It's yeah. It'll be fun. A lot, lot to discuss. And uh, Ben Simmons, you know, how's he doing? Um, you know, locally for me, the Knicks, the Jalen Brunson questions about his free agent recruitment. Uh, at some point, somebody's got to ask questions. So, yeah, uh, we'll see on that. But it's always a pleasure, my man, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, fun doesn't sound like the word I would use to describe the Nets' upcoming media day. Um, <laughs> interesting might be more of the correct word. Hundred percent. But it it will it will be uh, interesting to see what is all going on there and what they're thinking and how long this thing lasts and if it implodes this season. I think that's something to keep an eye on. But thank you so much. You guys can find uh, Michael Scotto on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Is that right? Yes, sir. Mike A-S-C-O-T-T-O. Uh, check out the Hoops Hype podcast yeah. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, Thanks, my man. We appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. Anytime. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.